The fifth sequence, I thirst. O Saviour of the world, who by your cross and precious blood have redeemed us, save us and help us, we humbly beseech you, O Lord. When they had been on the road going up to Jerusalem, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with? They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he took with him Peter and James and John. He said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? Then all the disciples left him and fled. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. At once one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And some of the bystanders said, Listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfil the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a javelin and held it to his mouth. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? That was the question in the anthem. And indeed that question has a point. As we've said, at least two other people were being crucified on that spring day in Jerusalem. Pilate had washed his hands. The pain of these men was nothing to him. Across the whole of the empire, cheap lives were being taken in combats in the circus, in disciplining slaves, in exemplary executions. When life seemed so meaningless, how could suffering, how could death have any meaning? The meaning of suffering is a puzzling and dangerous topic. To look for meaning in suffering can be a way of hurting people. If we, find, if we claim to find a key to their pain in which they feel so alone, 
if we tell them we understand and if if they only understood what we know they'd find it easier might even see their way through if we do that we're simply removing any hope from their isolation we're tempted to do it of course because we don't want evil to have the last word it's natural to hope to try to bring good out of bad and it's honorable to attempt it but the one course we must not take of course it's tempting to glorify on this day of all the year the one course we must never take is to imply that our pain is for our good that there's something ennobling about sacrifice christ never welcomed suffering in himself or in or in others where he found it he regarded it as something to be dealt with he healed he comforted he cured in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked to be spared the cup of suffering he knew was coming his way. He asked to be spared, even as he submitted to the coming ordeal, if that was God's will. Indeed, it was inevitable that he should suffer. He'd foreseen it on his way to Jerusalem. Even if there'd flickered in him some tiny hope that the authorities might hear his message and repent, he knew how the dice was weighted. He'd read of the suffering servant in Isaiah, and he accepted this was his role. God permitted his son to suffer. If he had not suffered, it's not clear what use he'd have been to us. The idea of atonement is that we should become the children of God. This happens by us sharing the, heavenly, the same heavenly father as Christ, by being Jesus' brothers and sisters. And this could only be so if he shared our human life as it actually is. God didn't create us for suffering, he made us for joy. But he placed us in a world where we have freedom of choice, freedom to make wrong decisions, freedom to harm as much as to heal. It can be a cruel place. And it's not just other people, of course. The universe itself can seem uncaring. Cells mutate and become cancerous, buildings collapse, cars ricochet out of control. God permits this too. It was the consequence of the first humans exercising their freedom of will in the Garden of Eden, exercising their free will and opting to live in a world of chance and change, a world of risk and adventure, but a world still capable of being brought to perfection. If you want to deal with an infestation, you need to start to strike at the infestation's very heart. And for 2,000 years, the cross has stood in every Christian church as a sign of that infestation and the way it was dealt with. By sharing in the horror of the cross, by going right to the point of suffering, Christ made it possible for hope to be born in all of us. But it was a hope that still takes into account what it is to live as a human in a fallen world. If the changes and chances of this life cause one of you some terrible pain, the cross reminds you that this is part of the human condition, the same condition we all know and which God himself became part of. Yes, people can be wicked and cruel, but human evil will never have the last word. Again, yes, we know that cells can mutate, cars can collide, planes fall out of the sky, the arrow of time goes on, the laws of physics, chemistry and biology continue to function, even if your finger's stuck in the mechanism. 
Well, the cross and the gospel show us that God has lived a life in that same world that we know, and he too found it cruel. But it has the seeds of perfection planted in it, seeds that can grow and flourish, because love will always win out in the end. That was part of the message of Maundy Thursday. Part of the meaning of suffering, if we must find one. Part of the meaning of suffering is that it is a reminder how God has chosen us to be his fellow workers. It's for us to do what we can to help him in his work. We do this by looking after each other as best we can, by direct service, by supporting the NHS, by proclaiming to the world over and over again that everyone matters. As Julian of Norwich reminded us, he didn't promise us that there wouldn't be pain. He never promised us there would be no suffering. What he did promise was that we would never be overcome. If only we can have the vision to see the joy that's prepared for us, perhaps we can have the vision too, to begin to see, just to glimpse out of the corner of an eye, how the God who transcends time and space and lives within us allows us to transcend the pain of this half-awful world and hide our life deep in the body of our Lord, who with us, lies safely at the very heart of God. Let us pray. O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, regard, we pray, with your divine pity the pains of all your children, and grant that the passion of our Lord and his infinite love may make fruitful for good the tribulations of the innocent, the sufferings of the sick, and the sorrows of bereaved through him who suffered in our flesh and died for our sake, the same your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, fill me with thirst for the water you give, the spring of water that wells up within, bringing eternal life, that I may not thirst again while I have the cup of obedience and love to drink with you, when you will and as you will, for your endless mercy's sake. Amen. Verses from Psalm 42 Like as the heart desireth the water books, so longeth my soul after thee, O God. My soul is a thirst for God, yea, even for the living God. When shall I come to appear before the presence of God? My tears have been my meat, day and night, while they daily say unto me, Where is now thy God? I will say unto the God of my strength, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I thus heavily while the enemy oppresseth me? My bones are smitten asunder as with a sword, while mine enemies that trouble me cast me in the teeth. Namely, while they say daily unto me, Where is now thy God? Why art thou so vexed, O my soul, and why art thou so disquieted within me? O put thy trust in God, for I will yet thank him, which is the help of my countenance and my God. Do, if you wish, stop the recording and have a few moments of silence. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The hymn is, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. <laughs> 